0: Hey, gang, welcome to episode 37 of the No Persinium podcast, your podcast about immersive theater and its ilk. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from Los Angeles. This week on the show, we've got the creative minds behind Think Tank Gallery's new Break Bread show. Uh, We're going to get into the rundown on that in a minute. Um, Not just the art installation, but also with the director creator of one of the immersive theater pieces that's going to be using the gallery show as its background. But before we get into all that because there's some program notes as well, let's do the news and notes. Here in Los Angeles, very excited that we can talk about Capital W's new performance. Now, if you don't recognize the Capital W name, you're probably going to recognize the words Hamlet Mobile. And don't 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 run away. Don't run away. I know a lot of you didn't get to see it, and I talk incessantly about it, and I did two episodes of the show on it. So maybe take that as evidence that it's good, that the people who make it are good. They've got their latest piece and the drum. It's going to be an intimate piece, uh, only 12 members of the audience at a time. It's going to run for a few weeks. Check the Los Angeles newsletter for... latest information if you're a subscriber to any of the newsletters you can always find all of the past issues up in the upper left hand corner of the web version go into your email open it up click the open in web browser and you can find everything it's all there for you it always is um zay is on vacation at the moment so he's out and traveling so i don't have new new york stuff necessarily to talk to you guys about but it's New York. There's stuff always popping off. And uh, there's 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 a couple of things being whispered about at, at the edges, and hopefully we'll have some more for you there soon. I know I'm a terrible tease sometimes. Uh, but something I don't have to tease you with that I'll be able to deliver very soon, the Chicago newsletter is in the edit stage right now. i uh, going to be looking at it very soon, and we're going to be getting out the first of those uh, out there. This is a great time to tell people about the newsletters. Uh, we've been having a lot of growth. It's exciting. So if you are one of the people who gets the newsletter uh, and you if you know anyone, anyone at all who you think might be into this sort of stuff, it's time to tell a friend, everybody. It's time to tell a friend. Um, lastly, in terms of news and notes I want to talk about, I want I want to give you a little hint of, of where we're headed here. Something kind of cool happened at the TED Talks this week. Uh, filmmaker Chris Melk, who's, I mean, it's hard to argue that he's like one of the best people working in VR right now. He did a thing where they did a simultaneous viewing of one of his, wor- <coughs> sorry, one of his works in VR uh, with 1,200 people at once, which is pretty nifty. Uh, the syncing technology is, has come a long way in, in the past couple of months here. Uh, I think from various angles. Um, I don't know exactly who was responsible for that particular tech, but I do know that one of the friends of the show was standing right in front of uh, Steven Spielberg, and he seemed very excited about all of this. So there you go. Uh, there's, uh, there's our future in a nutshell. Uh, why does that matter to immersive theater? Well, you know, they call the VR stuff immersive, and it's, it's not just marketing hype on either side. When it's when it's done right, you know, my predilections on that. Um, Is that the right word? I don't care. Here we go. Program note. Look, I used a new piece of equipment to record this week's episode. And we had five people counting myself around this new piece of equipment in an echoey space. And there was music being played in the room beyond. So um, it's it's not as tight of a recording as we're used to anymore it is still completely legible. You can follow along the discussion without a problem. It's actually in a more intense stereo. So like you'll get a good sense of where everyone's sitting around the table, which is kind of neat. It's kind of, dare I say it, immersive. Um, So that's the fun part. But yeah, there's some background noise. Uh, It's a little echoey. I'm an audio nerd. It drives me nuts. A lot of you don't care. That's so sweet of you. If only if only I didn't have these decades-long biases against the way certain recordings sound. This has always been a very bare-bones show. Uh, we don't do opening closing music because I just want to get to the information because that's the kind of person I am. And uh, when the audio quality isn't quite where I want it to be, I get annoyed. Um, it's still one of the more interesting discussions we've had, though. So on a content side uh we get philosophical come on we're talking about art we're talking about this uh let me me tell you about break bread so two artists were brought together scott hove and baker's son uh who both do a lot of food themes in in their work shows up um scott does among other things these super realistic cake sculptures and uses sort of fun house mirrors to create illusions of cake palaces it's pretty intense work particularly if you can go and check it out when there aren't a lot of people around the he creates a virtual space with plywood and plaster and other materials and mirrors and you can get lost you can get lost in one of these pieces Um, It can be very, 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 very interesting. He calls it a virtual space, and I would co-sign on that completely. It's a virtual space uh, with these illusions he's making. Baker's son uh, uses the iconography of sort of mass market food uh, and culture uh, in his watercolors to create these pieces that are almost like these, these memories, you know, you scratched out of a a 90s and 80s childhood. It's really compelling stuff. They've come together at the Think Tank Gallery and the Think Tank Gallery is this amazing space in uh, the Fashion Garment District part of LA. Still don't know the map of downtown as well as I should uh, because I keep on finding neighborhoods and I've lived here for five years. Uh, It's it's an incredible space. Uh, And Think Tank themselves are delving farther and farther into this immersive style of work Uh, we can be expecting maybe a lot of stuff coming out of them in the next few months so the voices around the table you're going to hear the first person who's going to talk that's going to be jacob patterson he's the director of think tank Uh, he put the show together Um, you know think tank was also where alone jumped off a couple of years ago so they've got a long history here he's going to get into that we've got scott hove uh, whose whose Cakeland pieces are in the piece along with some of his his other work. Um, he's w- was working up in Oakland. He's down here in Los Angeles now. Like a lot of Beta LA artists, it's a theme. As someone who's a Beta LA person myself, I've got a lot of a lot of sympathy for what folks are going through. Um, Baker's Son, uh, which is his working name, and yeah, you can dig out his real name if you want to, but we went with we went with his working name because less confusing in the long run. Uh, he's going to be talking as well. And the, the whole reason why we did this in the first place, sort of bearing the lead here, uh, there's a couple of immersive pieces that are going to happen in the context. One of them is going to be the next iteration of Alone, but another one is going to be a piece called Rough Sleeper. And that's by uh, director and creator Arya Devachi, Hope I didn't mess up your last name, Arya. We all know that I'm really good at screwing those things up. Um, Arya's worked well. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Arya talk about his history because stuff came out in the interview that I that I didn't know connections connections to people who've been on the show before. It's all one tiny little world, and you're in a secret part of the cabal that knows all the secrets of how this works. Um, okay, enough of that. Again, sorry about the recording, guys. Uh, you're you're probably not, you're you're only gonna be annoyed because I told you about it and, and I think you probably wouldn't care, uh. When some of you would. Audio nerd here. All right, enough apologia from me. On with the show. So if you listen carefully, you might hear what sounds like a theremin. It's not. We've determined that it's a saw. There's a drawing class going outside of the room. We are in a kind of like a it's a diner. Is it a diner set or an actual diner?
1: It's a 1950s-style diner that we built. We, were gonna, we built this room to put a movie theater in. It's like a conference hall. And then a Bob's Big Boy in Pasadena or Glendale or something like that shut down. And we went there and got all our furniture. This is a third of it, and we sold the other two thirds. So amazing. it's like an actual Bob's Big Boy. And talking <coughs> right there is? Jacob Patterson, director of Think Tank Gallery.
0: Bingo. We are here because there's, uh, there's a show right now here at Think Tank. Uh, it's it's break bread, which is a combo of Baker's son and Scott Hove. You got that right? God, I'm really bad at names, so mm-hmm. everyone on the show knows. Uh, which is uh, there's a lot of food theme going on. And the reason why we're here is because we don't usually do we don't usually do art stuff. I mean, I do art stuff, but that's not the focus of the show. But the show is going to be used as uh, the setting for n- numerous immersive theater pieces here. This month and into next month in LA, we've got Arya, who is uh, the director and creator of one of those pieces, Rough Sleeper. Right? Yes, good. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing it without notes and I'm succeeding. I'm shocking mm-hmm. myself. Um, and we're here with the artists. We're here with Baker's son. Yes,
2: Baker's son.
0: And with Scott Hove. Yep,
2: that is correct. And
0: and and let's just start. Jacob, actually. You, there's a story here about how this show at all, like the whole Break bread thing, mm-hmm. started with an immersive theater piece? So, let's uh, we'll start there, why not?
1: Yeah, yeah, to some degree. So, we, uh, we've we had this place for six years, we've done all sorts of shit in it. When we first started, we were just, you know, throwing raves and ducking the cops, and now we're to the point that everything that we're doing, that, that dude's hitting the high note, it's, the story's getting excited. Um, <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything that we're doing, you know, We're doing this as as crazy of shit as we can with the space, um, and now all above board crazy shit. And so uh, the first show that we did that was like this, uh, and the first immersive theater thing that we did that was like this, was a a show called Alone. And our space is a site-specific, immersive, indebted to spectacle, 13,500 square foot warehouse space that we do all sorts of shit with. And so we always invite in people like Bakerson and Scott Hove, who will build something crazy. We built skate parks, we built coffee shops, and we open our place up to other producers who can think along those same lines. And so the Alone guys who are getting involved in um, Break Bread as well, they threw a show here um, on in Haunt Season. Yeah, that was like and their first one.
0: The first, and they, they made quite an impact with that one.
1: Yeah, they, the first one they did with us. I don't know if it was their very first one that they did, but they did... Uh, if it was the first one, that's even cooler. I think I think it, well, <laughs> awesome.
0: if, if nothing else it was the first one that people, I think it was. It,
1: the first one that got attention. for. Them, yeah, because right? yeah, it was they the they one could... where
0: people like left out the back and then they got pulled in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that people would not stop talking to me about that one. Yeah. Awesome. I missed it unfortunately.
1: Oh yeah. So. so what happened is they had we were we had to work the event. We have um, like a space in the back where studios um, artists have private studios, and we use that space. We use the back alley. We use the front door. We use everything. And, um, we, and and it ended basically in a bar that, um, was kind of like in the center of the building, but it was at the end of the show. And I was working one of the nights, and when I was working, I had to be present anyway. So I just kind of like walked over and I would just sit down and talk to people, grab a drink and like hang out and talk to people who just went through the show. And I meet this guy and I start talking to him about, um, this, he's like, oh, I, I, uh, the guy sitting at this table, spoiler alert, but he's like, uh, um, yeah, I love things like this happening in LA, and like, it's so cool, I come from the Bay Area, and it used to do shit like this, and they don't do as much stuff like that in the Bay anymore, and so I came down to LA, and uh, I was, I started talking to him about, oh, I, met the, I know this guy, uh, the, the gallery, we, we blogged about him, he had this place in, in Oakland called Cake Land, and his, uh, he got like whatever kicked out due to the Bay kicking out all their artists and blah 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 and he goes, I'm, I'm him, I'm Scott, and I go, nice to meet you, and I take his uh, information down, I took his phone number down, and then a year or so later, I uh, did an auction here at this space, or our space did an auction here, and we sold a bunch of Bakerson's work, and then we started talking to him, we did another show with him later, and we started talking to him about doing a show, and I was like, but I want to throw some extra crazy, immersive spectacle into the show, and I said, you know a guy named Scott Hove, and you knew his work. And I said, "How do you feel about doing a show with him?" And I looked in my phone, saw Scott's number, texted him, asked for a studio visit, and the rest is history. Scott, you, the, the, you work kind of in cake.
0: Like that might be one way of viewing things. Like you make these incredible sculptures that are, are cake themes. That mm-hmm. any. Any Food Network fan would be both delighted and horrified by at the yeah, same time. I, I
3: hope they have both of those experiences—the yeah, horror and the beauty. That's that's important.
0: There's 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 definitely both. Like the some of the some of the pieces, there's animal faces. It feels like it feels like uh, a cake beast has been hunted down and is mounted on a wall. And yeah, I'm, I could get an idea later. I'll ask you offline about how you get the tongue So perfect slash creepy, but what, what should you do alone? Like, that's interesting. Cause we, we talk about that show often on this show It's because it's, yeah. it's a seminal experience. For well, I,
3: I had been hearing about immersive theater experiences. Um, I've always been a fan of haunted houses and, mm. and fun houses and circus types of things that really informs my work quite a bit. So I'd only been living in LA for a, uh, a few months and I came to the alone show and I went through it and it was just such having that experience was, uh, I mean, the show itself was fantastic, and with all the tunnels and all the multi-layered aspects of it, and they shove you into these holes, and people come up and grab you and invade your space, and, and, you know, really unsettling situations, and and I just, I thought, man, this is a place, I'm in a place where these things can happen, this is not going to be happening in Oakland, where I've been living, and this is not, you know, San Francisco, you can't do this, I mean, there's, you know it just is not happening anymore and I thought yeah. I am in the right place to be doing this is I want to do something like this that's multi-stage with different themes you can go through it it's like a process you know you start you wind your way through and then at the end you're like kind of reborn in a certain way having had the, like this entire spectrum of experiences and yeah. So, uh, so yeah and then the opportunity came up and I jumped on it and of course it coincided with a bunch of other really momentous uh, art show opportunities but you know, big events always coincide, so I just, you know, sat down and got busy, and got through all the projects, and this thing just turned out absolutely perfect. i was just so happy with how it came out, and the support around it, the publicity around it, like people came out of the woodwork, who I'd never known, uh, The people who I just did not, you know, I don't know what they do, they just show up and all of a sudden they're working their asses off to make this this crazy thing happened, and everybody just did such a great job and put in way more time than I would ever have expected. People staying here till two in the morning, bringing their family members in, like just going way above and beyond to, to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And it just that's that's why it happened. It's beautiful. Baker's son. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's good. I've, I mean, you see, you real really at some point we're, we're working on that one. <laughs> um, how, have you had any like experience in, like the, the the immersive theater thing stuff or is this yes. this some new territory for you or uh,
2: somewhat new I wouldn't say the theater part is that new I've been in art school since the second grade and I through I guess second grade to sixth grade uh, all the way to high school I had to pretty much pick a major but during the Elementary time, I had to experience all the arts. So I had to do theater, I had to do ballet, I had to do. Uh, New ballet? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I, had to, I always got. Video. See, here's the thing: I always got written up because I never wanted to put on the, the black tights with the white shirt because I was a little chubby boy. So I used to always just come in with jeans and be like, "Yeah, I'm not doing much." <laughs> like, but it was cool. Like I got to learn, you know, scripts and we through plays in um, sixth grade I mean that's when I had to figure out like what my major had to be so art painting was just like all right, I'm gonna do this I don't have to dress up (laughs) I like painting I'm already like doing it in class anyway when I should be learning something but you know I'll just do that so immersive theater and just theater in general isn't really that new to me it's something that's always been around I've just never I guess been in it this much until now.
0: Keeping Robin, Robin going, Aria. Um, tell us a bit because this is really the heart of it. I want to kind of set the stage you, but the the heart of the, the show is about the immersive theater pieces. and And talk to me about Rough Sleeper and and I guess maybe you know how you're using the guys' work and like if there's been this like if there's been collaboration here and like kind of feedback going. Totally.
2: Um, um, yeah,
0: I without, maybe without spoiling too much. This is going to go out before the show. So yeah, like, I'm not the, planning on. It's
4: the delicate. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah. very much have been trying to keep as much of a tight hold on the show as possible. Um, that's the hard thing about this stuff is, right. It's so hard because then you can't. You have to explain it to people. Yeah. and a lot of people, particularly in LA, like don't understand yet, like yeah. what a immersive theater is. Yeah, and so I have to explain it to them, and then they're like, "Wait, what is it about?"
0: Or, or they think it's just like, oh, it's Steven around. It's like one of those cabaret shows like, right. where they sing yeah. like all the Baz Luhrmann song. And it's like, no, those are fun, but that's that's not the same thing. Those people call this their work immersive, and maybe I yell at them. <laughs> uh, and, but if you do it right, even if someone goes and sees something, and they come out of it, they sound like a babbling idiot who's trying to explain a dream. It's exactly. like, it's actually <laughs> this dream, and this happened, right. and that happened, and like, what? Yeah. What?
4: Um, I mean, I was brought on and was by Jacob and was then shown Scott's work first. And I immediately looked at the cakes and knew that I couldn't really create a show that was based in reality. Um, And I was like, this very much looks like something that I would see in a dream. And then I started seeing some of Keith's work and was thinking to myself, well, watercolor is inherently something that like is swishing around and like has this sort of majestic dream quality. And I thought about immersive theater, and like we just said, there's a dream quality to immersive theater, in that things happen that you cannot explain, things disappear immediately, things come in and out. And so then I created this show that was taking place within Dreaming. And that's all I really want to say about the show itself. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was very much coming out of Scott's work. I was thinking a lot about, I think a lot of people, when they see his work, see a lot of... The French aristocracy and absolute monarchy, and Marie Antoinette, and all this sort of opulence, which I think very much plays into the overall themes of *Break Bread*. And I initially was going to do something about that, about the incredibly affluent and the waste that comes off of that, and you know how a lot of people that I know just like leave their water running these days, and how that's infuriating, but they don't get to see like the reality of that. Um, and then from there, I sort of flipped it and made it about the other side and how they can only dream of the world of Scott's cake land because it is so far removed from them. And I think a lot of what Baker Sun does, too, touches upon that idea of the dreams that we have from movies and from music and from other art and how it's attainable but only through some sort of magic.
0: I'll throw this one out to to everybody because this kind of informal conversation kind of show. I'm, I'm really curious about, for you guys, what it's like to have other artists, like performing artists and directors coming in and taking your work as a jumping-off point for what they're
1: doing. I want to say something real quick on that. Yeah. Because that was one of the um, most exciting things for me with Think Tank's model, is that we we just did a, uh, a show... Recently and in promoting this show, um, we popped up at the LA Art Show with Scott. Scott brought us along for the ride, which we're really excited about. And at the same time, there were two people on the completely other sides of the spectrum. One was like very alternative art space and one was very like formal gallery. And both of them had critiques on our model. Um, And There were two people that I respected greatly, and I still do respect greatly, but they had critiques on our model. And not all artists can buy in. So one thing that I can say that I'm really, really excited about to have Scott and Bakerson here is that they buy in, because every single person in these 30 days of event, 29 days of events, has to buy into the model that, that we're doing, and I yeah. would say a third or less of the people that I've asked to be involved have been interested in any way, and so... That's,
0: that's like so weird, I mean, I come from theater, right, mm-hmm. which is like the first collaborative art form, like, Wait, you know, like, yeah. everyone... Yeah. Pulls their own weight, everyone chips in, you know, like the set designer, and, like, and if everyone's working at the top of their game, it just keeps getting better and better and better and better. Mm-hmm. So
1: it's what's really yeah. exciting for me is because these artists are... My goal was the way I described it to people is like, if Disneyland... Um, when I was hitting up all of these event producers, like Arya included, I was like, if Disneyland hit you up and said, Hey, we're building a ballroom at the end of the It's a Small World After Wall ride, and we want you to host an event at it, the only catch is everyone has to take the ride first and all of the pieces on the ride are for sale. Um, that was kind of the idea of how I wanted to build this show, which is like bring these guys in, build this crazy like walking tour almost, and then host events at a lounge in the back, and there's 30 different events. Then there's some people who think even harder than that, people like Arya, people like Scott, people like Bakerson, who are like, well, let's use the ride itself as as that experience, yeah. as the event itself. And uh, it's, it, it takes a lot of balls to be like, yeah, someone can do this immersive theater show inside of my art installation, but they were both down, and I'm really excited. I think it's going to be the best experience to be had to, like, walk away from this sand castle before the tide takes it away, hmm. to see what this show was. It's going to be so impacting. I'm just so excited about it.
4: Right, what he's saying about, like, Disneyland and the small world, I was already in. Like, at that point, yeah. I was like, yes, of course, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and then I saw their work, and I was like, absolutely, when can I start? When can I meet them? We must get involved. And I will say that it has been great, because I have had two guys who have more or less designed the show to the extreme, and have, like, done more than I could ever thought of. And I've never done a show like this before, where I've done something inside of other people's art installations. And I was initially, obviously, as I think any theater person would be, was slightly worried that, like, I don't want to mess up their game. I don't want to come in here and tell Mm. a story that's different than the story that they're trying to tell. And how can I make sure to keep their work as the environment, but also then build something within that environment that is new and mine and theirs and everyone's. And that was a task that somehow we all just came together and it felt really good. And I feel like we i have been blessed to be able to not have them ever say no to anything, which is not it's a theater person, something I've never had happen before, which has been
0: really nice. Well, Bakerson, you, you give me a serious breakdown on one of the pieces uh, that you did, this a little while ago. We were, we were talking about it, and we had a nice conversation about Oakland and mm-hmm. everything else. And, and I mean, for you, what, what is it like to have someone come in and, and be riffing on your work? It's cool. I mean,
2: I enjoy it. I mean, My work is interaction. I don't try to put too much of me inside of my work at all. I mean, of course, I have reasons why I painted certain things, and I have underlying background stories that are really deep and stuff like that. But my whole goal when people look at my work is to have their own stories. Mm. So for somebody to come in and want to just do whatever and explore and play around with the themes that I've created. I'm like go right ahead. Like if you want to punch a hole in something that I made, like hey, I don't really care too much. Like it's just a part of the whole process. I mean, art for me is should constantly evolve. It should constantly change and, you know, you shouldn't be so selfish about it. But you should always have the viewer, or somebody who wants to work with you to do their own thing because that's their vision and how can you say no to somebody who has their own vision it's like imagine if somebody was like no you can't paint that it's like why can't I paint it like yeah, it's me so yeah I, I enjoy it it's, it's it should be really cool it's, it's pretty dumb. oh
0: there's, and there's like this thread of phenomenology in all this kind of work where I mean I talk about Sometimes when I talk about film, I talk about how, like, the last edit isn't actually, like, the director's cut or the studio's cut. It's the cut that goes on someone's head. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's the final assemblage point, is in someone's brain. It's the things you
4: remember. Yeah. And
0: it's like, that that, that idea, if if you're interested in, you know, the the stories people are getting from your work, that's, like, that's the experience. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about experience design, we talk about phenomenology, that's, we're talking about the audience's reaction, you know, what they look at and and how they see the world reflected back at them. And, Scott, you, you work with mirrors, so, like, in some ways, that reflection <laughs> is
3: literal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love working with mirrors, you know, creating virtual spaces with smoke and mirrors and light. It's, uh, you know, people ask me, what, you know, what what medium do you work in? And I say, well, I work in illusion, mirrors, light, smoke, and cake. <laughs> you know? And they And then they just kind of, you know, get that blank look on their face, like, what in the world are you talking about? Yeah. But, uh...
0: And there's, there's such a it was interesting because it came on opening night and it was a madhouse. And it was it was really exciting because you saw I saw what felt like a total cross section of Los Angeles. And it's something that like LA, unlike the Bay, and I know and Scott's from the Bay and, and, and Baker's son spent a lot of time in the Bay Area and, and I'm from the Bay. And the Bay often feels like it's kind of like jumbled up, but the and, and everyone's kind of living on top of each other, and you know, you'll see everyone like in the car together, and I'm talking about like all Class levels and everyone of different colors and, and L A sometimes can feel like it's all ethnic enclaves to me because we have it we've got Korea town we've got Japantown, we got you know we got uh, East L A we got you know it's like oh these folks live over there I'll come down to the arts district sometime particularly when something's either actually not fully legal or just on that <laughs> that breadth of legality and I'll see everybody mm-hmm. and I feel at home because it reminds me of the Bay Area. It's just like, oh, yeah, like, we're, we're all... been And they're little kids. Like, you mentioned cake and, I like, guess, children show up magically. It's, like, some kind of...
3: Uber. Yeah, yeah, C- cake is a... I mean, that's... I've had an, I have a number of different bodies at work, but the cake really blew up because everybody is so attracted to it. Yeah. People have a strange sense of entitlement towards it. You know, <laughs> like, cake. Everybody does. I mean, I, I do... Most people I know, it's like, if you're feeling good about something, you want to celebrate, you get yourself a cake. I deserve... I deserve some cake. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of people have that sort of sense of entitlement around my art sometimes and I gotta watch out. so initially when people ask me hey do you mind if I do something in your installations um, I just have to make sure that they're coming from a sane place number one <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then uh, a responsible place with their own art too and they can you know um, so I know it's just going to be a really a good integration uh, but because uh,
0: that that sense of entitlement that's one of the scary things working in immersive space I know for like for actors is there there people do pieces and like i'll I'll get stories from actors sometimes like yeah i had this monologue in a bathroom and like i'm in there with a a woman she's like i'm in there with a guy and it starts to get a little creepy sometimes because people when it's working right the audience gets caught up in it and Mm -hmm. gets lost in it and like they're, they're more than happy to like reach out and touch like sometimes I have to explain no it's kind of like strip club rules it's like they can touch you but you can't touch them totally. it's like if you see someone doing something that's fine but please do not touch the cake but but at the same time, you want people to to get lost and just maybe take them to that threshold of that sense of entitlement you oh
3: know? yeah no I love giving people that experience to satisfy that sense of entitlement because people need that satisfaction you know chasing beauty all the time sucks you want at some point you want to be able to just really indulge yourself in a beauty experience mm. and, and so i try and do that i do it for myself you know I'll sit in the studio for hours adjusting lights and, and just getting things to the right color just so i have that resonance or beauty experience for myself yeah and then uh, once i get that then i start to add the dark the creepy stuff in there too to just sort of give it a more re- uh, flesh it out with a more a more balanced sense of reality light and dark yeah because uh, uh, I mean if you're playing cake all day long and ignoring all the other shit, then that's that's just sort of like the opulent, you know, opulent slash, slash degradation that happens in sort of like uh, you know peak sort of rich societies, you know, before they come crashing down.
1: Yeah. And that's that's the reason why I paired both of their work together too, because they they both have this commentary on consumerism where we all love consuming, but too much of it's dangerous. So it's it's exciting for me. Yeah, well, it's it's
0: it starts to feel like like I was looking at Baker's son's work again, and and being in here without people, I could get really meditative, and that's why I want to come back around to Scott's work in a second. Maybe we can talk about meditation, and dream yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. Let's, let's go there. But but I was I was thinking about how you're almost working with like the the art of desire, like all those objects. So we were talking about like the pains of Jordan. So we had this conversation about how the the shoes factor into. iconography of the work and really the the, sort of the through line of the 90s these things that were fucking tennis shoes on one level but they were everything and to some folks today it's still everything I mean you go go on Fairfax see everyone lined up at at, you know in the morning sitting waiting for the new Jordans get released so like there's this this thread of desire that's that's something in both of the works is that you know there's this there's this thing you want and it's like just there you can almost touch it but you know you're not supposed to touch it but it's it is, it is hard not to just want to just just get tactile with with the with the sculptures. Um, maybe someone might steal a stuffed animal from me you know, Like that might
1: be the worst. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> someone abscond with one. Yeah. yeah not... is, is that thread of desire or something? Hmm? Is that thread? Of, uh, is that thread of desire or something that you you find yourself riffing on?
2: Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, that's. As a kid, it's like, you you want everything. You want, you want to just sit at home and just eat, like, ten bags of candy. Or, like, you want the shoes that just came out and it's all, you know, it's like, as a kid, everything is so innocent. And you want it. But then as an adult, if you keep consuming the same things that you consumed as a kid, you know, a lot of health issues happen you know you go broke cause you're not worried about like the real life things that you have to do Maybe and uh, rich, exactly yeah yeah hood rich will kill you very quickly <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so yeah, it's it, like it does actually desires is just, is one of one of little I guess the elements that I really like to use cause people are very you know you put it out there for people to see and it's something else that somebody else wants too so you know, it's not just me. And, you know, I just love that.
0: Yeah. The, the desire is such a, a potent force in our lives. And if, I mean, we're, we're, we're surrounded by it, right? It's kind of like the, the force in reverse. It surrounds us, penetrates us, it's everywhere, and it's invisible. It's the medium by which we're manipulated at all, oh, yeah. all points in time. And yet, and if you can, and at the I don't know, I mean, is there, is there something here, like, if you can push through that, you get to that meditative space? Because there is something, there's something deeply meditative. And I noticed this, I mentioned this to Scott, when we were walking through the, the mirrors and into the, to the vestibules of the cake. Um, there's, there's something that's that stretching off into infinity that you get in the his and hers. When you're just peering through, and like the the mirrors are layering the cake Mm -hmm. over and over and over again, and that sense of presence, right? I mean, that's one of the things in meditation is like if it's working right, you you very much become aware of your, you know, that you are an embodied thing. That's one, that's one path, right? You become very grounded and aware, and like, oh, I am here, I am I am here right now, and the mirrors create some of that effect. An immersive theater for me creates that sense of presence. Yeah, I think
3: the mirrors create more of a trance, mm. a more of a trance uh, emotional state um, to differentiate that from um, the other uh, meditative state. Meditative state sort of implies more of a spiritual experience. Um, but we were talking about seeking and uh, commodification and, and that need. And that need is the exact opposite of, of that's anti- antithetical to, to the spiritual experience, you know? Like, yeah. Need is something you know. You when you find yourself chasing something that you think you want, like some beautiful person or like some expensive dress or handbag or whatever it is. That need is is just so empty, and it's it's just it's it's just the the opposite of a spiritual experience. But um, but I like to satisfy that need. You know? <laughs> Okay. But then having that. But having that. That's what the show's about? Yeah, that's 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 what the show is, is about. But also, I'm a very spiritual person, and what you're talking about about meditation is really important. Um, meditation and being self-aware and grounded is the only thing that's going to save you from a life of, of of constantly needing, you know, just like this constant hunger of always needing something and never feeling satisfied yeah. um, with the way you look, the way you dress, you know plastic surgery I mean, i'm just not perfect i need something else to make me you know it's just it's sad and exhausting you
0: know it's interesting that you talk about the the spaces as virtual spaces yeah um because one of the things you know one of the other areas i started exploring the past couple of years is into like the virtual reality space and they talk a lot about about presence or or they'll even talk about empathy there's a there's a woman named nani de la pena who works uh over at USC, does a lot of work in immersive journalism, she will create these reconstruction of real life events using the real audio, but then like rebuild things in, in a game space, She so creates a virtual space. But it does this thing where it's sort of, it's both a trick and yet at the same time, well, because of the trick, you kind of get in the space where you feel like you're really there. And so there's this weird, I don't know, almost like plasticity to the, the the magic of virtual virtuality to sort of bring, I find that it kind of brings me into a state of awareness because i almost like a meta-awareness. Become, right, exactly. Yeah, it's stacked. It's yeah. like, I know this isn't real, but I am here, but it's not real, and I'm looking at myself
3: and... and oh, like and, the cake is all about that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know it's fake, but I want it, and it's delicious, yeah. and I'm hungry, and, and I know it's yeah. fake, but I can't help yeah. <laughs> and and it. The, and, and there I
0: am, looking, and, and I see my own expression in yeah. the mirror On, on every top. angle. Yeah, yeah.
1: From every angle. When you look at Scott's work and you know it's like acrylic media or whatever it is, in your mouth waters. Yeah. You're like, I can't control that. That's millions of years of evolution got me to this point where my my fellow humans have figured out how to process sugar and then turn it into beautiful colors that are attractive to my eye. That's also been evolved into me after millions and millions and millions of years. and all past generations and now my mouth waters when I look at fake cake made by, made by Scott Hill. Yeah. But and he's the, manipulating all of what and who we are. And the snarling
3: teeth do <coughs> the same thing in an even more drastic way. You know, all people, all animals, like my dog, you know, I'll, I'll pull out a pair of my, the jaws that I put into my cakes, show them to the dog and the dog freaks out and run away. Right. <laughs> it's like if someone gets stabbed on
4: stage and you're in the
3: audience and you fear
4: the theater's holding you, like, you suddenly are like, oh my God, is that person okay? Like, how's it going? And that's, what I love about the work that I'm getting to put my work inside of is that, like, it's happening already. Like, yeah. there's already an immersive theatrical quality built-in, and so it has a weirder, like, another stack on top now of suddenly the venue is its own immersive thing that people start to, like, lose the sense of, wait, where am I? What is
1: this? How did I get here? How the hell do I get out? Have you, have you guys read, um... Any work by the late, I think his name is Dennis Dutton. I hope I'm saying, I'm saying it right. But uh, he wrote a book called The Art Instinct. Um, my phone is broken. Otherwise, I'd look it up right now while we're talking. Um, but uh, there's a whole chapter that he talks about uh, our mirror response. There's a there's a specific gene where you see something happening to someone. You can see someone take a bite of a sandwich and your mouth will water.
0: Oh, it. Mirror, neurons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. mirror neurons. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He wrote yeah. a whole thing about how there is an objective in art and he just spent a whole book trying to get down to the bottom of what that was yeah. it'd be really interesting especially in the immersive theater context for you guys to uh to read that, it's a tough read. It's like really, really dense. Yeah. I can attack it at like four paragraphs at a time, <laughs> and then I have to like set it down. But um, I've had a few books I've, tried I've read it, over the course of ten years. I've tried so. it three times. I'm on my third run right now. I got halfway through it, and then break bread happened.
0: So. That's how I am with Ulysses. Like I get a little
1: farther every time.
3: I'm like with Moby too. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like it, they, they, these books that are like waves crashing on your brain. Yeah. It's like you can you can, can't do it anymore. Then you start again. It's like oh I've been here before. This is okay. This is, oh what no.
1: Yeah, I got halfway through this time, so I gotta, I'm going to just keep it going. I'm only like three weeks since I set it down, so I think it's fresh enough that I can continue instead of start over, yeah. so we'll see. All right, yeah, let, me, let me ask you, uh, the tension
0: for you has got to be how much you stack into the space versus right. how much you let it just breathe.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think what's really nice is that both artists have built places where clearly performers can go. I'm not having to really force in anything, like there's a cage, there's an ice-cream truck, there's a screen room chamber, there's these infinite mirror mazes, like it is already built in, so I am lucky enough that like I'm just running on what's already there, which is obviously I think any sort of immersive theater person's dream, is that I don't have to do a ton of work, it's already built in, this space is built for this, which I think will make for a much better experience anyway, because nothing will feel forced. Um I haven't had any conflict in that. it's almost been the best part about this for me is that it's inherent.
0: How did you how did you come to immersive theater?
4: Um, I was in school and I was doing a production of The Tempest and we came out of the elevator into the lobby on a bathtub and like we were in a boat and we were doing it and we were running through a crowd of maybe 150 people with this heavy bathtub when we were holding it. We had lights and all this stuff. And I think I had a moment during that when I really, for a second, was like, am I on a boat right now? Like, what is happening? This bathtub. Like, all these people. And getting to kind of just look around and see, like, straight-up fear on people's faces and them not knowing how to handle it and me, like, having to guide them through it as an actor taught me something that I didn't know. About how to interact with an audience, mm. and from there, I've kind of just riffed on it in not only theatrical spaces but in daily life. I find myself so often like watching people like lost on the street for like two or three minutes, where they clearly are, like looking at their phone, they don't know where they're going. I'm like, this is immersive theater. Like someone else must be watching this too. I'm mean, like, this is humor. Like this is very funny. And then I have to go up and help them because that's my directorial mind. I mean, like, okay, you are just one person in the space who has no idea where to go let's clean this up literally (laughs) give them direction right quite literally direct them where they need to go um and yeah then I worked on this really wild piece in Brooklyn in 2012 called Fornicated that took place at a rock club oh yeah yeah I had friends
0: I got it before we started the podcast and we, we had these little dinner parties and uh Fornicated would come up all the time, but we've never explained it on the podcast, so go. So
4: Fornicated was created by Michael Terry Garver, who was someone who taught me a great deal about... Who's been on the show. She's amazing. Yeah. Was a great mentor to me. Um, Fornicated begins the moment you buy a ticket two weeks before the show, you get a text from one of the characters. And then you get added on Facebook by these characters. And you slowly but surely start to interact with these characters for two weeks leading up to the show and the show takes place at a rock club, and you walk in, and for the first hour, you just kind of mingle around the club, and slowly but surely you start to realize that the people who you've been texting with and adding on Facebook and social media are there, and you get to interact with them, and it's very open format, and it is wild. Um, But it is really amazing when you get to see an audience member go up to one of the actors and be like, hi, and then the actor has to be like, rolling through the Rolodex of all these people that have been in contact with and be like, okay, who is this person? How do I know them? And then proving to the audience member that they have indeed been doing that and that they know exactly what you're referencing and can riff on conversations and then somehow find a way back to the script and, like, make it all work and then a band comes on stage and all this stuff starts happening. Um, it was one of the most insightful things I've ever been a part of only because it was an amazing blend of technology, theater, and music, which to me are the like, highlights of my artistic life, like things that drive me every day. Um, and it was amazing. I I like, can't believe it worked and it happened, but it's a really great project with a bunch of really, really talented people. And that taught me a lot about how to teach actors how to interact with audience members. Like that was the moment where I was like, oh my God, like, this can be done. You can yeah. have an open format. Even though it's horrifying as an artist, be like, okay, go, have fun, like no script, find a way. Yeah. But it's doable and fornicated proved that, I think, in a lot of ways.
0: Well when, when this stuff works best, it to me as an audience member and if someone who has a theater degree, it feels like I'm in a scene with mm-hmm. the performer. Totally. And 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 there's something about Something about that I think like in New York or LA it should be pretty easy to train audiences because half your audiences are gonna be out. No, absolutely,
4: but I, I that's kind of what I'm worried about currently is I know what a New York audience is like. I've yeah. done it in New York and I, you know, knock on some wood somewhere. There are people in New York who came just to screw with the show. And like very much yeah. did that. Yeah. And in my mind I'm thinking about the LA audience and I'm like, oh like will people start to do that here? Like, do people here like have that kind of energy? To, like, come in here and be like, I'm going to, like, screw this show. Because um, it doesn't seem like something anyone in L.A. would want to do. We're too chill out here. Yeah, I yeah. just feel like everyone's just, like, you know, hanging back, like, coming from the beach or whatever it is. And, like, don't really have there's, the energy to screw There's a
0: couple of people I know. They're not in town right now, so you're in luck. <laughs> great, great, good, go <laughs> But, like, like there's a friend of mine who, like, went to Then She Fell, and she, uh, which is one of the pizzas in New York. And, like, they get you to dictate... And she, you know she just wrote like dick, tick 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 and then showed them that and like and the actor didn't react and she was disappointed that the actor didn't right, react. Right, and mean,
4: that's something that I'm definitely working yeah. with with my actors. It's something we actually talked about a little earlier today yeah. with phones. I'm like, you gotta just run with whatever someone gives you. Like you can't deny if someone's gonna do something like that. Like if someone's gonna come and like screw around with the format of the show, like acknowledge it. If someone's gonna put a phone in your face and record you, talk to the phone. Like why ignore that this is happening if it's happening? Like, accept it as part of the challenge of doing an immersive theater piece. Mm. Because that, to me, is the task at hand. If you're going to do immersive theater and you're going to have people standing up and walking around, you got to know, like, humans are, like, evil in a sense, that they will want to do that. So you have to prepare for it and then, like, run with it and see that, like, there's a possibility that that will lead you
1: to learning something new, finding something new that's better than what you initially were going to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. something really exciting happened, too, because this show is, um... Partially sponsored by Circus du Soleil, who did a collaboration with Scott Hove, um, and they did—they're they're doing two performances here. Um, one is Art Walk Night. The other was last night, which was a really private performance that we were all present for uh, last night, and it kind of turned what's normally just like a stage performance into an immersive theater performance last night. Like he was riffing with the audience um, in the middle of the singing. One of the one of the performers in the middle of singing. He was just addressing the audience, taking It's Just I think it's just evidence of good performers, and yeah. I think immersive theater um, performers are so brave to do it. It turns it's like a weird improv thing um, that I think it's just I just think it's gonna be exciting. And there's
0: so how many how many immersive pieces? Because there's there's. Rough Sleeper. There's the Lone Project. Is there something else?
1: Coming so through? This Friday we have an improv show by a group called Wet the Hippo. That's from. Um, they do a lot of shows in Los Villas, I believe. Um, but it's just like break the fuck out of the fourth wall improv, and they're like it's horrifying. Like you, the people who, who are in the audience, like you need to love improv and just love breaking rules because it's going to be scary for them. So yeah. I told all the room. They were like, all the people who are. Here are artists, we have 15 different artists who have studio spaces here. And they're like, can we go? And I'm like, if you dare. They say everyone can go if they want, but uh, just if you dare, because it's, uh, it's intimidating. And then we have um, Alone is taking the first two days of our immersive theater week, on Monday and Tuesday night, and then you get picked up, I think. Um, I don't exactly know, but their original plan, they pitched me, Scott probably knows more than me by now, um, you get picked up somewhere nearby, and then... Uh, brought in one by one that's they always alone, right. you always do it one by one yeah. and then there's a one night immersive theater show by the people who ran Tiny Press TNY Press in uh, in New York and um, they're doing this thing where it's like post-apocalyptic thing with some virtual reality elements and then um, we close that week out with uh, Rough Sleeper by Aria and Cirque du Soleil I think that they're um, and I think Arya's is probably the most ambitious out of all of the immersive theater projects. and um, He's the first producer that came on board at all. And he's, he's the third collaborator. There was, I uh, think Tank brought in uh, Bakerson and then Scott Hove and then Arya was the next person after that. So he's been working on it for the longest. And um, we, you know Circus OLA is kind of making their show immersive just because of the fact that they have to change so much of it to be here. right? And they're being pretty ambitious as well and collaborating with Scott. But uh, the formal immersive theater shows, there's three.
0: You guys have done alone here before, got this going on. Is, is this something you see Think Tank being more and more involved in? Because yeah. there's, a, there's a stirring here in Los Angeles of people doing this work. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, 100%. I didn't know what the Haunt community was, and now I'm like, balls deep in it. So it's just the. <laughs> you got Alone here? Yeah, you are. So. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I fucking love it. I'm like, so hyped, and Scott, I, I know, um, shares the same sentiment. We're so hyped that Alone's gonna be here. Um, and when they, it's coming full circle, they're the ones who, who kicked this off for us in the first place and let us know what um, is possible in this world, and then introduced us to people like Arya who are gonna come in and do even more. I dare say, more ambitious projects that involve, like, larger groups of people doing more things. And it just, it, you know, we are all about this immersive spectacle, like I keep coming back to, and taking the risk to actually do it, and tear our place apart, and build new things, and then tear it up again, and build new things. And so when we discovered immersive theater it was just right up our alley and we're so happy to we want to do an immersive theater show for night on broadway the 65000 person festival that happened yeah. in downtown l.a yeah and we couldn't pull it off in time so we're going to try to do it next year and luckily we met aria so hopefully we can do um, you know some really crazy stuff but uh yeah we we're we're totally in it probably forever now i do
4: agree i think the way you said about it's stirring and because I, when I left New York and came to LA, I took some ideas to figure out personal life and, like, who I was as a human, and then started to feel the stirring happening. I was like, oh people here are starting to know that this is a thing. It's, like, starting to catch on. How do I, like, start again? Somewhere new. And then, the moment I put out that energy... Jacob, like, responded. I was like, yeah. alright, so what do you do? What is this? Like, tell me more. Yeah. And then, within, like, three weeks, I was, like, here at Think Tank, like, learning about all of it, the history, and, like, what both of these guys are bringing to the table. And I think that the stirring is building, and I think that people are getting excited about it, which is great, because I think L.A. needs something like this, and I think there's so many spaces in L.A. that can be activated for immersive theater. Oh, yeah. Like, if someone is listening, like, has a space, like, let me know. I would, like, anywhere. It is definitely something that is possible to be done. And that's
1: one other thing I want to say, too. I think people who run artists-run spaces, like we do, have a responsibility to make these things happen. Like, not only are we capable of it, because we have the space and we can do this stuff, I think it's literally our responsibility to uh, to bring in people who are going to treat the space respectfully but do shows like this. Because if we're not going to do it, then who else is? This city's built for people to get thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in permits to do massive like multi-million dollar film shoots yeah and if there's only a handful of people with the ambition to do immersive theater and the know-how to get through all the red tape to pull it off and if there's people like us who are some of those people who have like pushed through that far we have a responsibility to do this because if if not it's just not going to happen
0: yeah that is that's sort of the the dark iron years that there are so many amazing spaces that could be transformed even for like a weekend a week whatever and because and, and so many that lie dormant and yet Absolutely. because of the permits on films and how much money can be made for a film shoot it's it, it can be hard to activate those spaces and yet there's there's nothing more thrilling and and sometimes i have idle dreams about the idea of you know they're being multiple pieces running all the time maybe a few installation things that are that are going long term and actors being able to like plug in and plug out of, of these kinds of pieces because you look at something like a sleep no more and everyone's all the actors are on the track and right. they're always swapping people in and out and like what would be a better and I have, I have theater friends who are like or actor friends who are like I don't want to commit to a normal theater show because I don't want to like, get a Starburst commercial and suddenly not be able to do the run but something like this if like, I'm on a track I could be plugged in or plugged out and someone would cover my job mm-hmm. um it's it's perfect for Los Angeles. Yeah. It's it's perfect for here. There's a whole audience you talked about, you know, Disneyland and the dark ride, you know. I often explain immersive theatre in terms of a, a you know, imagine Peter Pan broke down and now you're walking around London and the audio animatronic pirates were people.
1: That's, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's,
0: that's that's an immersive theater show. That's yeah. that's what it is. And there's that huge audience of people, yeah. audience, there are, there's like a million people or whatever, yeah. who like go to Disneyland all the time.
1: Yeah, you know, last time I was at Disneyland, we were in line, it's the last ride we were doing, I went with my family, I have four little sisters, and a yeah. single mom, we all went together, and we tried to go on the uh, um, Alice in Wonderland ride, where you ride the uh, Caterpillar things, and yeah, yeah. It broke down, and yeah. Yeah. Alice in Wonderland. Like, that's, like, the most surreal, trippy, like, psychotropic For, ride. Brooklyn while you were on it? Yeah. Yeah, It's all that's Watching the, like, cattle of consumers at Disneyland yeah. freak out on this ride. It was just, like, I was just fucking loving it. I was, like, I'm there with my whole family, so I couldn't do any drugs. But I was, like, if I was able to right now, this would be so amazing to watch right. this experience. We're stuck inside and, like... The ride's broken down, there's people walking through it, just completely destroying the illusion when you see where, oh, that's where the totally. catwalk is, you know? Yeah. It was, it was pretty amazing. So yeah, I would love to, it's, it's something like that would be incredible. Imagine if you could just go into any space and take it over and do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Well, the flip side of it is
0: like almost all the Imagineers, not all the Imagineers, there's so many Imagineers I know who are obsessed with this form, yeah. the immersive Theater. One of the guys who was working over at Shanghai Disney, which is a new one he like sent me a text the other day or a DM he was like thank you for the podcast it keeps me grounded this while we're in China you know it's like helping me stay staying and, and feel connected um, and so yeah it's a small little full circle world you know, feeding on itself well hey it's a good place to stop so gentlemen thank you for talking to me for the better part of an hour so well, it's some fun thank work you. and I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see what uh, what happens when we bring even more layers in it
1: thank
0: you all right. all right i just want to thank scott hove baker's son jacob patterson and Arya devachi for being on the show today hey um check out rough sleeper i'm gonna be there i am amped to see what he does with the space um you can go to the gallery for free and check out the gallery it is it is a really cool exhibit it is just straight up really cool the space is amazing uh it is a playpen and I'm looking forward to more and more work being done. And there, there is stuff being talked about offline uh, that gets me excited. Gets me excited for where things are going with Immersive in Los Angeles. Much like I'm excited about where stuff is going with Immersive, everywhere. Speaking of everywhere, here's how you find us everywhere. Twitter, at NoPersinium. Medium, where you can find more of Zay's essays and my show reviews. Medium.com No-Persinium. The Patreon is always looking for your dollar a month to help us make this podcast better because I go off and buy equipment and it doesn't do what I want it to do. Uh, That's patreon.com slash no proscenium. What else is there? Oh, the email. The email's important. No underscore proscenium at outlook.com. That's the place to send us uh, your notes about the show, your tips and hints on shows that we should be checking out. Because that's the biggest thing, you know, people, this is not a humble brag. Uh, People ask me, how do you know about all this stuff? And the truthful answer is staring at Google, digging through every ticketing website there is, which is a pain in the ass to do. But the best thing is when people just up and write me about it, which for rough sleeper is what someone did. And that makes all the difference in the world. Period. End of story. That's right. If one of you out there, one of you listeners, one of you newsletter readers hadn't written me about Rough Sleeper, I would have put up the alone announcement probably in the newsletter and missed, missed what was going on at Think Tank other than that altogether. So. This is all your fault. Uh, No, (laughs) this is how it gets done. So please, please let us know what's up and out there. All right, that's enough for me this week. I, uh, I got a lot of shows to see in the next two weeks. So, you know, I'll see you at the show.